listening to First Church Charlotte. Joshua 24, verse number 15. I'm going to endeavor to be brief um, as possible, considering I haven't preached for nearly three weeks. This is Joshua 24, verse number 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Somebody say yes. I'm going to read it again. I want you to say yes at the end of it. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. That's, that's, I like that. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, if you don't want to do this, figure out, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Uh, Whether you're going to serve the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, say it with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to teach for a little while from this idea of resolute, resolute. As believers, we need to be resolute in our spirit. We should not be tossed by every change that comes into our life, and we should not be uh, dashed on every wave that comes into our life. But there should be a, a point of spiritual maturity where things are settled. It's not that we don't have struggles. It's just a certain set of issues in our life has been settled. Before you're seated, uh, shake your neighbor's hand and say, it's settled, my friend. (laughs) Amen. God bless you. God bless you. So, Wednesday night, my favorite service. I love Wednesday night. I just get to teach the Word of the Lord. I don't have to worry about being fancy. I can just teach the Word of the Lord. And I love this this image in the Scripture where Joshua, having led the people of God into the Promised Land, let's not rush past this context, this moment. Uh, Joshua has led the children of Israel into the Promised Land. Who promised them this land? God did. Who fought for them? God did. Who made a way in the face of giants, God did. I want you to see where they are. They have been abundantly blessed by God. They have been provisioned by God. They have been protected by God. Let me just say, I want my life and your life to be blessed by God, protected by God, provisioned by God. I don't know how to go out or come in. I feel like a child with the complexity of the need of the time. But if God will take my hand, he can lead me according to his will and his anointing. Not only that, he can protect me according to his purpose and his calling. He can direct me according to the knowledge that is beyond my knowledge. As a people, we want to be led of God. I don't want to just produce, excuse me, I don't want to just um, uh, pursue any land. I want the land that God has promised to me. I don't, I'm not interested in just any blessing. I want the blessing God has ordained for me. There's some blessings it's possible for us to lust over that if God were to give them to us, it would destroy us. We're not ready for that. We aren't prepared for that. We don't know what it would feel like to have that. Uh, we as believers should always be cautious of our feelings of desire toward things that God has not given us anyway. 
Let me say that again. You should be cautious about desiring things that God has not given you. And if uh, what we really should do is the opposite of that is to cultivate an attitude of thanksgiving for what God has given us. It's like uh, Brother Dewan said last week, he was preaching, and I listened to it today, and he did a fantastic job. My son's a good preacher. Uh, he said, you want a new car smell, but you won't clean your old car. It's the truth. Uh, it's it's a, a necessity for us as we become uh, mature in our Christian faith uh, not to lust after things that God has withheld from us, but rather to turn our heart toward God and say, Lord Jesus, help me to see the good of the things you have chosen. You can ruin your marriage looking outside of it. You can ruin your career looking outside of it. You can miss valuable years of time with loved ones and children by pursuing interest outside of them. Lord, help us to love that which God has placed in our life. And so uh, he is having led the house of Israel, Joshua having led them into the promised land. Uh, he, he brings them to this moment of decision. It's, it's fascinating to me that after God has done so much for people, there are still some people who aren't sure what they want to do. Um, this isn't simply uh, in some manner a statement that they're particularly bad people. Um, we're all of us sinners and we're all of us like sheep easily led astray. Uh, you have more influences in your life than just the presence of God. Now, I wish that weren't so in my life, and I wish that weren't so in your life, but we all of us have more influence in our life than just the presence of God. In fact, one of the most valuable things that happens to us when we come to the church service is that we are reminded of the most important, the most important uh, influence in our life, and that being the presence of, the presence of God. Uh, you have influences in your life that will lead you astray. You have uh, interests in your life that will uh, lead you astray. And you also have the voice of the Spirit calling you. You also have the wooing of God's presence in your life. Some of you weren't raised in the best environment, and you have uh, generational curses, not, not simply in a superstitious manner, but in, a, in a, uh, the living out of bad habits and the living out of terrible, terrible um, life coping mechanisms. Uh, some of your parents coped by, by, by alcoholism. Some of your uh, uncles and aunts coped by any, any manner of, of, of sinful uh, actions of error and uh, expressions of the flesh. And yet, although that is part of your history, you've chosen to let the voice of God be your primary influence in your life. You've chosen that. And not just once, you have to re-choose that because those same influences are coming against you. And no matter what God has done for you, no matter what God has done for me, if we're not careful, our ear will begin to pick up the different sound, the different call, the different interest. This is, this is what's happened in the children of Israel. It's not so much that they woke up in the morning and said, we just want to be devils. Uh, you know, they, some of them are that way, but enough about the teenagers. See, that was funny. I, I don't even care what y'all say. Some of them did that, but that, uh, you know, that's not the point. The point is distraction. You know what's probably more damaging to us than the work of darkness? And that is distraction in our life. And the real cost is not just sin because there's an antidote to sin. It's the righteousness that's in Christ Jesus. That's the antidote to sin. It is the lost opportunities, what we could have done for God. 
the prayers we could have prayed, the Bible studies we could have taught. Why didn't we? Distraction. And so here you see uh, uh, not Elijah, uh, uh, Joshua, in this moment where he, representing all that God has done for the people, he stands before them and says, guys, I'd like you to figure out how you're going to live your life. Think about this. Um, Imagine you've received an inheritance and some uh, uh, loved one left you a bunch of money and uh, they've totally changed your life with blessing. You are now, before you had, you know, uh, you never really had a, the right break or the right education or the right network connection, and uh, your life had always kind of struggled, and then boom, you know, you found out you have all this money, you're wealthy, and uh, the lawyer sits down at the table after writing you this check with about seven or eight zeros on the end of it, and they said, now, um, we want to ask you, do you love uh, this loved one who gave you this money? Honey, you never knew how much you love them until they give you that money. <laughs> Somebody say word. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you very much. You, you, you never knew how much you loved them until they wrote you that check with eight zeros on the end. They're like, my God, bless them in the morning. <laughs> Get Omar to preach me a message. Bless them late at night. <laughs> and all day long, bless them, bless them, bless them. God has done so much for these people. And the prophet says, I'd like you to figure out if you want to serve Yahweh. You know, if ever there was a praise band uh, that should sing a praise and worship song uh, from the 80s, right now the praise band should sing that 80s song of true religious devotion, What Have You Done For Me Lately? (laughs) Because this is the kind of short-term, tacky attitude that anyone would have having received the stunning goodness of God in their life and they say you know this has been cool thanks for the check appreciate the house I didn't build appreciate the uh, the, the the vineyard I didn't plant but I think I'm going to serve one of the gods from before the flood or one of the gods from the other side of the river no no you see this the the uniqueness of this moment where instead of Joshua simply saying you had best do this if you know what's good for you he's acknowledging their right to choose, and he is presenting to them, he's going to lead them through a series of statements, through a set of, uh, let, me, let, me, let me say this different, he's going to lead them to a way of, of understanding and approaching God. Um, this is so rich with spiritual meaning that we need to get this same, this same way. Uh, the first thing he's going to do is he's going to introduce them to uh, really challenge them do they understand grace in their life. Now that's a surprise to you because it's the Old Testament and you're thinking grace? So the first thing, if we're going to follow the example of, of Joshua here, the first thing we would do in our life is make sure we are building a, a, a life that is built on grace. What do I mean by that? Let me read some of this passage to you. Uh, Joshua says this to them. Look, you guys went over the Jordan. You came to Jericho. The leaders of Jericho fought against you and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites. Woo! And the Gashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I gave them into your hand. Somebody say, I gave. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the, Amor- uh, of the Amorites. It was not by your sword, nor was it by your bow. I gave you a land 
on which you had not labored. And I gave you cities that you did not build. You're living in them right now. And you eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards. You didn't even plant these things and you have received them. I want to do real quick a short lesson on, on grace. And to do that, I'm going to borrow one of the young ladies right over there. You guys can vote which one I pick on. And I'm going to get some money out of my wallet. How much money? Holy moly. All I got to 20. Okay, which one of y'all is going to get, don't, don't, volunteer, come, come on, darling, come on, come on, you know you love me, it's, it's deep and profound, okay, stand right here, uh, stand right here, how are we doing? So, thank you, you all right, you're not nervous, are you, a little bit nervous, uh, would you like to sing a song? Okay, all right, so, um, what is the difference in mercy and grace? You need to know, you need to know the difference, let's say, let's say that um, Antonella has been a very, uh, naughty child, and she's been caught. Would you like to confess some really naughty things that you've done? No. Okay, all right. So um, she's been very, what does she deserve because she's been very naughty? I, I don't know if you noticed this, but Sister Helen loved to beat a fool. You know what I'm saying? She just, she, you see what I'm saying? A poor, poor Dewan. It explains why he's so flinchy all the time, you know? So, She's been very naughty. What does she deserve? Hold your hand out just like this. Just hold your hand out like this. So she's going to get a slap on the wrist. Why? It's what she deserves. Somebody say she deserves it. Say she's naughty. She deserves a slap on the wrist. So I'm going to take this. Okay? Don't worry about the loogie that's in it. That, that's, that's, that's fine. Now, I'm going to slap her on the wrist. Why am I doing this? Because she's been very naughty. Do this with your finger. What does she deserve? A slap on the wrist. She's a bad girl. Not really. She's an angel. But you get the idea. Just fake one from No, don't. Just, just stand right there. Okay. So this is what she deserves. A slap on the wrist. Wow. Okay. Mercy comes along and says, stop. Don't give her what she deserves. That's mercy. Don't get, what does she deserve? What does mercy say? Don't give her what she deserves. What does grace say? Instead of giving her what she deserves, give her something she doesn't deserve. Now, she's been bad. Can I have an amen? Well, the altar's right here. If you'd like to, you know, we're already here. And just confession first. So let's, no, moving along. So, What does she deserve? A slap on the wrist. Mercy says no. What does grace say? Instead of giving her what she deserves, let's give her something she doesn't deserve. Thank you. You can sit down. Do you understand what just happened? Mercy says we're not going to give you what you deserve. Grace says, instead, we're going to give you something you would never deserve. God gave the children of Israel a land. They did not deserve it. They have murmured. They have complained. 
and he gave him. You know what? This is a picture of grace. Grace isn't just a New Testament thing. It's an Old Testament thing. It's modeled in the life of Israel. He gave them, and he gave them not just mercy. He could have, you know, consumed them at Mount Moriah, but he didn't. That's what they deserved. He gave them grace, that which they did not, did not deserve. And Joshua wants the people to understand everything you have, you owe to God. You did not win this city. You did not win. You didn't plant this vineyard. You didn't build that house. I provided it for you. I have given you grace. Hear me all today. You want to influence your world? Give them grace. One of the biggest mistakes in the Christian community is for us to make the Pharisee error. What is the Pharisee error? To feel most like God when we're given other people law. We feel most spiritual when we're given other people law. You shouldn't do this and you should do that. We feel spiritual. We're righteous. Look at us. You want to make people take you uh, seriously in your Christianity? Don't give them law. Give them grace. The Lord, uh, through Joshua, wants these people to see that he has given and he has given and he has given. And so this is my message to you here tonight. He's still giving to you. God is still blessing you. God is still keeping you. God is still uh, protecting you. Don't forget about the grace of God in your life. Parents, teach your children uh, the nature of God by giving them grace. Give your children grace. You see, grace is beyond law. Grace is not simply the idea that you can do anything and get away with it. Law teaches us how to act. But if we fail in any part, I don't have time to get into this because my time always plays tricks on me and it just runs away. But if you, you, uh, you, law is the instructor of what to do. But if you fail in anything, it's as though you failed in all. That's mentioned by John, mentioned by Paul. I believe it's mentioned by Peter. Um, If that is the point of the law, we give grace one to another. Has God blessed you? Write it down. Celebrate the grace of God. Has God provided for you? Uh, Speak it forth. Testify the grace of God. The first thing we're going to be resolute about is freely we have received. Now we're freely going to give. I am resolute about this. Are you guys, I want you to understand what I'm saying. I'm resolute about this. This is an up for argument. This isn't up for debate. This isn't something you can talk me out of. I am resolute about this. I have been given grace and it behooves me to give grace to other people. I am always going to err on the side of mercy and on the side of grace. Why? Because it's one of the things in the Bible that's directly related. My generosity is related to my receiving of God's generosity. And with the same measure I mete out mercy and grace, it will be returned into my life. So as a preacher, I am resolute about this. I'm always going to err on the side of grace and on the side of mercy. Why? Because I want God to err on the side of grace and mercy with me. Joshua says this, now fear the Lord. This is where we started reading together. Now fear the Lord. When we read that, we think of fear with modern uh, terms and language, which is appropriate. Uh, but I would, I would remind you that uh, the word fear here is not simply to tremble, although there is an element of that. 
Um, it is also to reverence. Somebody say reverence. So he's telling them, look, be aware of how much grace has been given to you. You are the recipients of grace. That's number one. Number two, um, reverence the Lord. Live your life in reverence to, to the Lord. I, um, something about representing uh, this, this gospel and representing this, uh, this Christian way. Um, if you, let me just talk to the men real quick. If we want to manifest God's love to the people in our life whom we are responsible for, Christianity is easier caught than taught. Even at the deepest recesses of theological understanding, uh, there, there is, there's elements of the divine mystery uh, that Paul couldn't talk about, uh, that John couldn't express. Um, it is, there's elements there, um, and if you're waiting until you can explain everything, people are going to uh, not get much manifestation of Christ from your life. But if you will just begin to try to live Christ-like, uh, Christianity is easier to be caught than it is uh, taught. Um, all of our, uh, our men, I thank God for strong men. Our church has strong men in it. Uh, I'm so thankful for that. I, I'm a deep believer that if you get the man, uh, you get the rest of the family. <laughs> but if you don't get the man, you create a natural conflict in the family. There's a famous painting by Norman Rockwell. It was on the cover of Saturday Evening Post in 1959. It shows a suburban family going off to church. The oldest sister is followed by the mom, followed by the younger sister. All three uh, women are dressed up for church, and they're excited to go. They're all fancy. Following them is a young boy who is dragging his feet. He doesn't want to go. What's the problem? Well, at the center of the picture, dear old dad is slumped in a chair in his pajamas, reading the newspaper with a cigarette dangling in his hand. And the boy is looking at the dad, wishing he could stay home with the dad. Men, we need to be zealous in our faith. We need to reverence God. Can I have an amen from all the men? We need to reverence God in our life. We need to fear the Lord, reverence the Lord with our life. We don't need to let the women be the, the ones who convey spiritual hunger and passion. Us men need to convey spiritual hunger and passion. You may do it differently. You may do it with less tears. You may do it with more words, although it doesn't seem likely that you would do it with more words. You may do it with more whatever. You can do it in your way, but make sure you are manifest a reverence, a deep reverence for, for the Lord. This is something that I am resolute about. I feel like the only way for us to get it right is for us to deeply revere the Lord and live lives of worship. I, I, I'm going to have to say that again to reassure myself that you weren't asleep. I know Helen was, but she was the only one. Um, I, I, want, I want you to believe this. We must live lives of worship. Worship is not a Sunday activity. It's a any day that ends with Y activity. Worship is a way of being. Here's a big, big word warning. It's an ontology. It's a way of being. It's a manner of being. It's like as though you were to study the right way of being in your world. That is what worship should be. Uh, the next thing he says to uh, the children of Israel, now fear the Lord and serve him. Somebody say serve. Service is fundamental to getting uh, our relationship with God right. I want us to be... Uh, uh, the do something church. In fact, I'm getting. I've got. I've got two series coming up that I'm going to tell you about. Uh, coming up soon on Sunday, I'm going to be doing a series entitled "The Do Something Church," and uh, coming up in well, the end of Oct 
August, once we all, all the kids get back in school, I'm going to be doing a Wednesday night series entitled Ask Me Anything. And we're going to have a little box outside that you can write a question on and put in that box. You don't have to sign your name to it. I ain't scared. I've, stu- I've been a student of the word of the Lord my whole life. I ain't scared. I don't know everything, but I ain't scared. So, <laughs> so you ask me anything, and we'll do a series on Wednesday night entitled Ask Me Anything once we get back, go get into the fall. Uh, but very, very much, we must be people of service. It's, it is important for us to see this element in the life of Jesus Christ, but it's not just a New Testament phenomenon. Uh, six times, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, Joshua says in the speech to serve the Lord, to serve the Lord. We must be committed to true spiritual service. One of the risks of us apostolic style worshipers, and I, 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 this, I'm Pentecostal born, Pentecostal bred, and when I die, I'll be Pentecostal dead. Um, that, that's all I know. I'm comfortable with it. Uh, now, I reserve the right to be who I am. I don't think that we should have a cookie, a cookie cutter um, requirement, and uh, I think we should, we should let people pursue authentic worship as is a true to their personality. If you're not a jumper, don't jump for somebody because then it's not for the Lord. You find your path to authentic worship. You're not a performer. Man, that's better than I thought that I was good. Didn't you think that was a little bit better than that amen I got? You're not a performer. You're a worshiper. And so... Um uh, the, the, I, I, one of the, 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 the mistakes we can make, especially if you're of a Pentecostal background, some of us have that. Some of you guys are Bapticostals. You don't know where you just, you just your parents beat you a lot. That's all you know. And, and uh, others come from more traditional religions, uh, more denominal religions. All that's good. We love you all. Um, and we have tremendous, tremendous uh, calling to pursue the presence of God in our life and be vessels of the Holy Ghost. And all of that stuff's good. I love it. But here's the thing. If we're not careful, we will feel uh, most like God uh, in when we, uh, we'll feel closest to God when we're having an emotional moment. So if I have tears going down both cheeks and my lips are stammering, then I'm close to God. Uh, but I don't have to serve. I don't have to do anything. I can just can go go out to eat because you know that's in the Bible. You got to break bread together. And, and then you go home and that's all. That's all. You have no compulsion to service. I want you to see how Old Testament to New Service is part of worship. Service is a part of how we work out our relationship with God more. Service is how we manifest the love of God to a world. This principle is so fundamental that it's said of Jesus that the Son of Man himself did not come to be served, but to serve and to offer himself as a ransom for many. We've got to be the do-something church. We believe in this so much that uh, one of the things we do in First Steps, uh, first lesson is the introduction to first church culture and history. Second lesson is an introduction to first church ministries and governance. Third lesson is an introduction to a spirit-filled church. We go over the whole planning uh, uh, or the manifestation of the Spirit. It's the hope of the fathers. We talk about tongues. We talk. Go. We have a whole Bible study. Uh, if you, if any of you think I'm weak on Acts two thirty eight, come to lesson three, and you'll hear me straighten some people out. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I want you to say in lessons four, of course, is a personality test to get you attached to a ministry. Yes. Why? We want to be the do something church. It's not enough to feel. We have to do. Yes. They didn't name the book of Acts the feelings of the apostles. They call it the acts of the apostles. Do something already. 
So uh, let me just skip the rest of that. I'm running out of time. Uh, Then he says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, notice how he acknowledges their right to choose. Uh, People who do that are not less effective uh, uh, witnesses. They're more effective witnesses. Uh, when When you acknowledge someone may never come to church, may never become a Christian, it doesn't make you less effective. It makes you more effective. It makes you feel less threatening. And so that's exactly uh, what he's doing here. But interestingly, he's doing it to Jewish people of the covenant. That's astonishing. Um, If it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, if you decide not to do that, figure out who you're going to serve. If you're going to serve the gods of your father, whatever, or the gods of the Amorites and who's lying to your dad, whatever. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What, What is going on here? He's being honest about their options. The truth is, the modern version of doing that is this. Look, if you want to live your whole life for career, you can do it. I mean, you can do it. That's an option that's available to you. And there will be certain benefits to that. There's, there's, it's, it is what it is. Um, you can spend your whole life uh, pursuing a hobby. You may have a hobby you love. You may want to be the best underwater basket weaver in the South. And you know what? You just work hard at that. You develop those lungs. You develop those fingers. You could be there's a certain benefit to that. Um, let's just be honest. You don't have to be resolute about putting God at the center of your life. You can be resolute about making money. You can be resolute about building a business. Anybody who accomplishes anything in this world is resolute. Uh, But I would like to invite you, he says, to be resolute about who you're going to serve. I would like you to be resolute about who you're going to fear, or shall we say, who you're going to worship and reverence. I'd like you to make up your mind about these issues. I'd like you to determine in your heart that you're going to live by grace. I didn't deserve any of this, but God gave this to me. He could have given me what I deserve, but he was merciful. And he gave me what I didn't deserve. And I am the, I have received the blessings of grace in my life. Uh, we have to be honest about idols. I don't, it doesn't even matter if you've served God for a long time. Uh, you can have an idol. Um, it's possible to love church more than God. It's possible to love worship, leading worship more than worship. It, you see where I'm going with this. This is a story that is repeated in the Bible. This is what happens to the house of Israel, where God says, look, I wish you'd lock the doors of the church. He says, I believe through Malachi, I wish you would lock the doors of the church because it just, it just irritates me so much what y'all are doing there. But we're keeping your law, but your hearts stink. You see, so um, we, we have to be honest about idols. Now, if you're not, if you're going to... Let me just say this. Usually it's not very effective to coerce people to serve God. Um, the difficulty for us, we get this at an adult level. Uh, sometimes, um, sometimes it's hard for us parents uh, when our children are coming to the age of decision uh, to balance this right with our children because, bless God, there's this element in me that if I pay the bills, you're going to do what I say. And um, that just, it says that in the scripture, Nathaniel 47 and 92. Um, there's a lot of chapters in the book of Nathaniel and a lot of verses, and I quote from it often. And I get that. I know you're sympathetic to that, but there comes a point where you, all you're doing, you can ensure they're going to serve God, but you can ensure they're bitter about it. If someone would like to write that down, that might help you. There comes a point of pressure and push where you can ensure that they're going to go to church, but you can make sure they're never going to go to church. Our superpower is not dominating anybody. Our superpower is charity. Charity can change the world. 
Uh, you guys have heard me preach that before. So uh, there's this element of acknowledging people have to have an individual relationship. They have to pursue it. Now, uh, you can find a reasonable way of inviting your children, and I'm trying to do this because I'm going into uh, this uh, stage of life, um, where you're, you're, always in, you're, you're seeking to share the beauty of the Lord. And you're seeking to transmit the joy of God's salvation in our life. And you're seeking to do that. And you're not simply giving them my way or uh, the highway. And so I don't have time to do on this. But I want you to acknowledge how even with covenant people, Joshua was saying, look, you guys get to choose. And now he shows what is real leadership. Real leadership isn't simply um, a motto of speaking or a, a style of communicating. It's what you live in your life. And I'm almost done, musicians, you can come. Um, a real leadership is being resolute about you. I want to say this again. Real leadership is being resolute about you. Uh, People will do all manner of things, but your spiritual maturity will be defined by your calm resolve in the face of all types of impulses, desires, wishes. Your ability to put charity in your expression and say, well, that's fine for you, but I'm going to church. You notice how I said put charity in your expression? Because I want you to, I, I want, people don't need a, a, a Bible study on um, a charity. They, they think they know what it is. <laughs> and so they're not going to accept some, well, you really, what's really nice for you is if I were to handcuff you and drag you to church. I've heard people use that. Not that, not handcuffs. I mean, come on. But uh, just, I, I am mean because I, I care about their souls. That's why I'm mean. It doesn't matter what you think about it. Supposedly, you're already saved, although it's debatable. All that matters is their experience of Christ through you. That's all that matters. You have unsaved children. doesn't matter what you wish they would do. All that matters is their experience of Christian testimony through you. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you technically define some de- definition of kindness whereby I'm saving your life by killing you. It doesn't matter what you... All that matters is your testimony of God's work in and through you to them. And so you can be resolute with kindness. You can be strong with confidence. You can be steadfast, unmovable with joy in your eyes, kindness on your tongue, and an embrace in your body language. You can do all those because you're steadfast. And here's what you're steadfast in. As for me and my house, we're just going to serve the Lord. I'm glad you got a new hobby. That's awesome. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I know you'll leave a church you're doing good in and move, uh, uh, you know, 200 miles away uh, for a church that your family may or may not do good in for a $3 raise. That's fine for you. (laughs) See how I just snuck that in? I'm sorry. I I retract all that. That'll be stricken from the record. Um, I'm telling you, if your kids are doing good, it's valuable, man. That should mean something to you. That shouldn't matter. Anyway, go to stop, go to stop, go to stop. Uh, There's something powerful about being 
simply, kindly, resolute, without the need to dominate others, without the need to decide for others, simply to say within your heart, look, as for me and our house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're steadfast. We're unmovable. We've been bound together in this kingdom of God. It is a kingdom of grace. It is a a family. It's a body of Christ, and we're knit together. And I, I was made for this. This is what I was made for. Let's all stand. Would you step out of the chair you're in right now? Just come step down to the front here. I'm not going to keep you. I just want us to come forward here for a moment. Our our guests, friends, feel free to come with us. We won't embarrass you or anything like that. We're just glad you're here. Um, If you want to stay where you are, that's fine too. Just just really quick, I want us to pray together before we're dismissed. I do feel the presence of the Lord. and I feel the the unction of His Spirit on me and in me. And I want to respond to that here here for a moment. That's right. I want to tell you all, all you guys, I want to tell you what an honor it is to to serve the Lord with you. It's an honor in my life to serve the Lord with you. You guys are so beautiful and talented, and you're so rich. Maybe not with money, but you're so rich. And it's such a a joy as a pastor. Um, I love to brag to other preachers about how awesome you guys are because it just makes them want to cut themselves, and it cheers me up. We were standing out here with Brother Jolly, and I was talking to a big group of people, and I was standing there, and I said, Brother Jolly, I just want you to know all these people are amazing. They're the kind of people you'd like to proselyte to move to New York, but no, you can't have any of them. So read it and weep, honey. (laughs) I love you all. As a church, we have a very clear mission. What is that mission? We're trying to influence, because there is no control. Okay, just to be clear, there is no control. God's the only one who has control and he's given it up. Okay, there is no control. Our mission is to influence as many people as possible toward the kingdom of heaven. Some people will come further than others. Some people will go all the way, but we're going to start at everyone just like Jesus did at this place. Just come and see. Just come and see. Some of them are going to go all the way to where Jesus says, come and die. Some of them are going to make that whole transition. Most of them are going to be somewhere, somewhere in the middle, just like you. So don't act powerful. The really powerful people never act powerful. (laughs) I want you to see, most of them are not going to be all the way to come and die. And some of them are going to stay at come and see. They just are kind of interested. That's how Jesus calls disciples. He doesn't call them by saying, hey guys, you want to get crucified? set a rule. If you don't pray three hours a day, you're going to bust it, whatever. There's no prayer standard. It's just every time they can't find Jesus, he's praying. He's always, how how far do you want to come? 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 How far are you? Can you watch with me an hour? You fell asleep. You're kicked out of the church. 
or sent you down off the platform. That's not a style, is it? By the way, I wrote a book. Uh, all this is in the book. If you'd like to um, read it and you can't afford it, I'll give you a copy. I want you to see. It starts at come and see, takes us to come and die. And all along the way is how we vote with our hearts and our feet, who we can become in God. Some of us are nowhere near come and die, including me. But the Lord is still calling us whispering in our ear in the prayer meeting, except a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die. It abideth alone, but if it will die. And the Lord's calling you. And like Peter, we're falling. <laughs> Couldn't you watch with me for an hour, Peter? I'm so sorry. Yeah, I will. I'll watch an hour. I'll watch an hour. I'll watch an hour. I'll watch an hour. Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. And he goes back to sleep. So the second time the Lord kicks him out of the disciples. Is that what he does? He took, so, took away his membership card. Is that what he did second time? Took him off the platform? No. What does he say? Well, you want to watch with me an hour? You want to watch with me an hour? I want you to see how no matter where, I don't care how long you've been serving God. I don't care how long I've been serving God. If we're spiritual people, the Spirit of God is whispering to us and saying, come a little further. Come a little further. Come a little further. Dividing people, it's about uniting people. It's not about it's not about excluding people who are still stuck at come and see. Some of us spent way too long at come and see. It's not about that. It's about can you ignore where they are and can you hear the wooing of the spirit that says, Can you watch with me another hour? There is a mission. What's the mission? We're trying to influence as many people as possible to make it to heaven. We're trying to influence as many people as possible toward the kingdom of God. Wherever they are right now, we want to inspire them right there. Wherever they are right now, we want to beckon them to take what? One step. The only step that matters is one. You never repented? Oh, let's repent. Uh, you never been to church? Oh, come to church with me. Never been baptized? Ooh, mm, Sunday's coming. The next step is the only one that matters because the next step is the only one you can take. It doesn't matter if you wish they were on step 12. The only one that matters is the next one. Anyway, we have to be resolute in our mission. We have to be resolute in our identity. We have to be resolute in our individual commitment. Because if you're not, you will judge the church by where everyone else is. That's not what Joshua was saying. Look, you'll figure it out. But as for me and my house, I am resolutely pursuing the presence of God. Lift your hands all across the house, Lord Jesus. Bring your people. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.